Hi, I'm Gabriel Stelian Shanks, the Artistic Director of the Drama League in New York City. Welcome to Talking Direction, the behind-the-scenes podcast going deep into the worlds of theater, film, television, and online content to celebrate directors, those visionary artists at the center of the plays, musicals, movie, and television shows enjoyed around the world. Each week, we welcome acclaimed guests to explore imagination, risk-taking, and craft, as well as looking at the past, present, and future of the creative industries. Don't forget to like and subscribe wherever you find your podcasts. We're available on all platforms or by visiting dramaleague.org. Thanks for listening and for talking direction. Hey, welcome back to Talking Direction. I'm Nylon, the Associate Artistic Director of the Drama League. In my work at the Drama League, the early and mid-career directors in our program ask a question often that I've puzzled over. How do you get the industry to see you as a multi-hyphenate artist? As someone who is proficient in several creative and production skill sets, I usually respond by asking them who out in the field is their model? Who are they aspiring to be? And usually, their answer is today's guest. Camilla Forbes is an award-winning director and producer of both theater and television, and she has a strong commitment to creating works for, by, and about the hip-hop generation. She is the executive producer of the world-famous Apollo Theater in Harlem. On stage, her directing credits include By the Way, Meet Vera Stark, written by Lynn Nottage, Sunset Baby by Dominique Mariso, and Blood Quilt by Kentori Hall, to name a few. Working with her close collaborator, Kenny Leon, she has helped create NBC's The Wiz Live, the Broadway productions of A Raisin in the Sun, The Mountaintop, and Stick Fly. She produced What's Going On, the 40th anniversary celebration of Marvin Gaye's seminal conversation with America, with John Legend as Marvin Gaye and Sharon Jones as Tammy Terrell. One Mike, a month-long multidisciplinary celebration of hip-hop worldwide, and Nas's 20-year anniversary of Illmatic, a celebration of the classic hip-hop album, accompanied with 96 players from the National Symphony Orchestra, all staged at the Kennedy Center. She has produced several works for television, most notably the seventh season of the Tony Award and Peabody Award-winning series Russell Simmons Presents Deaf Poetry on HBO. Her most recent directorial work, Between the World and Me, aired as a special event on HBO and HBO Max in November 2020 to critical acclaim. In addition to her work at the Apollo Theater, she is set to direct the Broadway premiere, A Soul Train, alongside Questlove, Dominique Mariso, and Camille A. Brown. Please help me welcome the incredibly talented producer and arts leader and director, Camilla Forbes, to Talking Direction. Hey. <laughs> hey, hey, wow, thank you. Thank you for having me on. Absolutely. Oh, I always love when it's a mouthful to say, because I'm like, yes, <laughs> yes, accolades. Be this human out here oh, doing things. Oh, my goodness. Yes, <laughs> just busy, just being busy. That's all. <laughs> oh, well, I mean, let's start with being human. I, I hope you've been well during this pandemic. Um, it, it, it. I know you've been busy, but um, yeah. have you had time to like rest and reflect or have you just been on the go? You know, it's been it's been crazy because I, when I thought about a year ago that last time, last year, this time, and, you know, we were just at the beginning of it, I kept thinking, oh, this will be such a nice rest and reflection time. But little did I know 
one, that we would still be here a year later, and two, that it would really require a lot of brain power um, to mm-hmm. pivot, to really move the ship, to rethink. So it's definitely been busy, been working in a different way, um, a, a very different way, not only my work as Apollo, but also my work as a director. So um, they had to, got to direct a film during this pandemic, which was also exciting. But, you know, so there has been, that's all to say there has been not the kind of rest that I thought there would be. <laughs> uh, maybe I'm not physically moving around as much, but mentally uh, it's still quite busy. So, yeah. I, I hear you there. I hear you there. Um, as I, uh, I I mentioned in the intro, uh, a, a lot of artists here at the Drama League um, recognize you as this multi-hyphenate. Um, mm. as, and they appeal to that. They They aspire to be that. I wonder, do you see yourself like that? Is it was that always the goal to be a producer and director? You know what? No, I, I don't know if that was ever the goal. I think that was just always part of my DNA. I think mm. um, there was always this need to want to create space and hold space. Um, sometimes that looked like helming a production as a director. Um, sometimes it looked like, you know, creating space for other directors and for other writers and artists and performers, you know, to be able to build their work. Um, I think, you know, so, but I, I feel like I've always had my hands in many things. So I guess you could say I was always multi-hyphenate, but I never thought of myself that way. I think it was always, you know, it, it was always also a means to an end because, you know, the real practical side of it is that when I came out of school as a director, wasn't like theaters were like, here we go. Of course, we're going to produce your work. You know, it wasn't, there wasn't that. There wasn't a lane like that coming out. Mm. Um, so I ultimately had to become a producer also by necessity. Um, you know, so there was, there was that piece of it. Um, so, yeah. So, um, so it's funny when you said the introduction, I was like, oh, yeah, I guess I am also half of it. I never thought of myself like that, but I guess I am. Um, do you feel like you ever have to create like a a balance between your directing work and producing work like how much how much you take in both like does your artist need that balance or you like to go with the flow a little i do love to glow with the flow um you know i think it all depends on the year on the moment um i mean now that i'm in an uh, official you know i think now with my time at the apollo i you know there's definitely balance that's created because the apollo kind of demands of me um, you know, a certain amount of time and commitment um, where I really do have to be more intentional about my time and intentional about what projects I do t- take on as a director. Um, um, so, yeah, it's it's definitely been I, I have to be more intentional because of that. But prior to that, it was definitely, you know, I kind of went with the flow a little bit more went with the flow than I can now. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, we're now in this spring of 2021, um, but we still feel uh, the impact of 2020, um, the notorious 2020, which I've been calling it lately. Yeah, <laughs> um, totally. And, and during that year and, and it's flooded into this year, especially we've watched artists and some institutions, uh, publish these newly pinned artistic statements mm. that incorporate mm. their cultural and political values and practices, mm. right? Mm. And, and when I look at your career, you've always mm. marched to the beat of your heart and your mind and, mm. and, and of your conscious mind, I should say. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and the work you dedicate to yourself, you, the work you dedicate yourself to and the issues you advocate for, they all, they've always gone hand in hand, mm-hmm. which makes me go, what got you into the arts and, and what, what set you on this particular path? Mm. You know, um, that's interesting. I think I've always, you know, it's when I do look back, I think I was very moved by the power of the arts to really shift and shape the public imagination, right? I, um, in high school, I saw this, you know, really impactful play my parents took me to, which was talking about sort of the histories, I think, of Blacks across the diaspora like the black experience across the diaspora, mm-hmm. um, but around leadership and sociopolitical, like it was very like, inter- it must've been like a black history book play, but maybe <laughs> I think it was junior <laughs> high school too. So something like that. Right. But I remember being so emotionally impacted by the work. Well, at the same way, same time intellectually impacted by the work and, um, and, and, and moved politically. And, and that was, you know, an early experience about, you know, the power of the arts, right. Um, and the power of what could be accomplished when you have the capture of, you know, hundreds of people's imagination for 90 minutes, how can you shape that? Um, so, you know, I, it, it has always been a space for me to, in which, my politics um, and my creative ambitions look to align in in those dark spaces of the theater, um, you know. And that's not just on the content that's happening on the stage, but it also how we're making the work, who's making the work, who's behind the scenes, right? Like, how do we make sure that you know again? Um, my politics and ideals and beliefs are embedded in the making, um, in, in the process, as well as the product of art making. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So that's been a big, that's a bit a, a big theme. Um, I think always in my, in my career and continues to be, you know, especially in this moment. Absolutely. I, I, yeah. I definitely could say I've seen that in your work. I, um, mm-hmm. I was in the audience for, uh, um, by the way, meet Vera Stark. Ah, yes. And, um, <laughs> I, uh, I think if this is a moment I was with Travis actually and um, intermission hits and we hear Jay-Z's hard knock life. Kick on. <laughs> and um, we start smiling, but I started watching a bunch of, Oh, Oh, Oh moments happening around me because it took that. It took the, the pop culture, um, um, mm. the colloquialism of this Jay-Z mm. song, which they, which mm. they knew. Right. To mm. realize that, oh, this is what this woman is experiencing in real time. Mm-hmm. And I sat there and went, damn, she's good. <laughs> 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 um, mm. And I, yeah. And I, and I, and I, and I, I think, I, I think, I, uh, is juxtaposition a big thing that you like to throw into your art? Always. I, Always. That's easy. Always. I mean, <laughs> well, and, and partly because, you know, I'm always thinking about the audience. I'm always thinking about, you know, even when I've when I've directed um, Wilson, August Wilson, or I did Arthur Miller um, a few years ago, a production of Arthur Miller's All My Sons. I, I'm always like, why this play? Why now? Mm-hmm. Why is this important now? And if I personally can't get you can't answer that question or get excited by the answer, then I don't want to do it. It's got to have some kind of 
rooted in today's world relevancy. Like I'm not interested in kind of relishing in something in moments that happen that is not relevant to the contemporary audience today or to the audience that I want to be speaking to. Um, so that moment of that, it's so interesting that you referenced that Jay-Z song um, with Vera Stark, which is a play that was rooted and took place in the 1930s and, and showed, you know, black actors of the thirties and, and sort of their experience. Like, yeah, we want to be able to, uh, how do we how do we draw that bridge? How do we have that connection point up until now um, is so important to me. Um, um, so, yeah, so that kind of juxtaposition in regards to just time period and relevancy points about context, being able to contextualize certain points of our history and in, 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 in contemporary time is important. Um, and also, you know, I, I also like poetry. And I love to, as an artist, um, as a director, um, find those moments where we can make those poetic juxtapositions in ways that are subtle and ways that are nuanced and ways that may not have to, I, I, I may not have to state anything. I just have to, it's just a matter of placing, you know, this musical moment under, you know, this particular scene or right after the scene as a scenic transition that works on the subconscious um, in a way that makes you go, huh, you know, that's exciting. That's where the juice is. That's where the art is. And quite frankly, it's also people can respond and allow that to soak in in a way that, quite frankly, I could have had a two hour dissertation talking about the relationship point that would that most people would just tune that out. Right. <laughs> but that one like moment, right. Of um, where music and story can really have a poetic interplay, a poetic dance with one another. Um, can That's where the fun is. And that's where it, it, it hits people in a different way, in a deeper way. And, and sometimes in a more profound um, way in their soul to really make them say, okay, all right. Oh, okay. I see what's happening here. And that's, that's the beauty of art. Absolutely. Um, I completely agree. And, and I, I, it, I think we, on this return we're making, how we make audiences lean in again mm-hmm. is, is, is um, the great work that we need to figure out. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, you talked about poetry for a moment. So I want to, I'm going to mm-hmm. jump to another question. So, so, mm-hmm. In 2000, Yukov um, founded the Hip Hop Theater Festival, yeah. um, which you would artistically leave for several years. Yeah. Um, and that company gave you voice and light to so, gave voice and light to so many artists, uh, yeah. uh, like the late Chadwick Boseman, rest in peace, yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and helped to spread and articulate what hip hop theater is on a national level. Yeah. And, and thank you big time for that work. Mm. Um, I'm watching New Eyes and Ears um, enjoy the majesty of hip hop theater due to mm. like commercial theater successes, uh, productions like Kenny Leon's Holler If You Hear Me and mm. Lin Manuel Miranda's Hamilton. Mm. Um, how do you feel about how the art form has progressed since your mm. um, early days of the hip hop theater festival? And and do you mm-hmm. worry about the culture, the cultural integrity of the work as more mm. artists venture into the form and start experimenting, um, especially especially in commercial properties, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, um, one, I think I I will say is that, you know, we started the festival um, in 1999 because, you know, there were no theaters that were producing our work. Right. Like and, and, and there was a community of artists that shared a similar language, literally. 
So that was folks like Issa Davis and Chris Diaz and Insango Injikam and um, Mark Bamuti Joseph and Will Power and Sarah Jones, like, and Liza Colon Zayas. Like, there were so many artists who were, again, like, again, building works um, that were speaking to our generation. So we needed to build a home for ourselves. Uh, and name ourselves, right? Name not only the work, but the audiences. And, you know, as of late, especially in the last 10 years, you know, theaters, and particularly also because of the rise of Hamilton, has said, oh, wait a second, there's something here, you know? Um, And, you know, it's interesting because, yes, I remember right after Hamilton and every commercial producer you know, I was getting calls. So many people were getting calls like, okay, well, we need to get our Hamilton, right? So it's it, it almost as if it was like a um, an add water and mix mm. solution, you know? So, so many, there were so many of those works or works wanting to be developed. Oh, we'll do a hip hop this or hip hop that, you know? And, and do I, um, is there danger in that? Yes. Um, yes. And, and, and I think that there's, there's always danger when I think, you know, um, um, the idea of art and commerce really colliding because there's a moment in which it's not necessarily about the artistic integrity, but it's just about the commercial output. Um, and, and, and we have artists always have to protect that space, whether it's hip hop theater or not. Um, because, you know, years from now it's going to be move on from hip hop theater and it's going to be you know, something else. Right. Mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm. but I think it's important as artists that we be extremely vigilant and protective over those spaces and our craft and our aesthetics as much as that we, we personally can control. Um, so, I mean, that's all to say, um, you know, I, I, I think so, so yes, to answer your question, yes, I do think that there is a danger, but, but I do, but on the flip side of it, I do think that there has been so much more attention that has been brought to the form and the aesthetic um, that has opened the doors for so many other artists to, um, you know, get seen, get heard, get recognized, for people to understand even just the lexicon, um, if not be co- completely fluent in it, at least understanding and recognition that this world is, um, this, this world of creatives are out there. So, you know, there's, there is, there's been pluses and that's a silver lining, I would say, about this moment in time. Oh, oh lovely, lovely. I, 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 I asked the question because I, I personally hope that there, this, this genre of the musical, um, mm-hmm. of hip hop, is always out there. I hope it's mm. always being produced. I mm. hope it's always, um, twenty years from now, on on the commercial level, there's some show with this mm. type of um, form that audiences can see. Mm. Um, and I, and I think of as much as how hip hop birthed, you know, in the Bronx, how it started spreading, and then you got your West Coast style and Southern type, mm. and, mm. and trap music is now a big thing now. So I, I just hope that we continue to embrace the form and and mm-hmm. its history, but mm. um, definitely, definitely add to it. Um, right. Lovely thoughts. Um, so you most recently made your television directorial debut with. Um, mm. Tanahasi Coates between the world and me on HBO mm, back mm. in November, right? Yeah, November. Yeah, and mm. and this is Coates' uh, original work, which was a book written as a letter to Coates' then fifteen year old son. 
Mm-hmm. Um, they talked about the atrocities of Black Americans and mm-hmm. they've the how what they've had to endure here in the United States. Mm. So I think <laughs> one, it was so timely, and and mm. all I can say is. I immediately went, how much time did you actually have? Because mm. <laughs> I felt like you, it was a, 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 a run, not, not, a, not a walk in, or, or a, a, a sit and let's talk breeze, but it felt mm. there was a moment happening um, in real yeah. time. And still yeah. is happening. I won't. I won't ever say that. But it was. Yeah. It's palpable. It's in the blood. Um, the sure. chemistry of the United States. And I, I saw this work come together so fast. And I would love to yeah. hear your thoughts on adapting, adapting this book for TV. Yeah. So you're absolutely right. Right. It was a run. Um, we pitched and sold the project in July. Was in production probably mm-hmm. the next week. Wow. Um. Um, this was truly, you know, and, and delivered the show come the beginning of November. So it was four months it took to make this whole film, um, a film which could have taken years. Um, I would say that I, um, it was all about being in response to, um, you know, the moment, right? George Floyd had had, you know, the protest around George Floyd was happening. The same thing with, you know, um, um, Brianna Taylor. Mm-hmm. I had adapted the work for the theater. And so it was, it, I had a form, Matt, um, that was really about being in response to the world. Um, and we'd been touring the work for a bit. Um, but at the, si- at the same time, you know, it was COVID. So we couldn't, obviously, that was, <laughs> the theater was not, you know, we couldn't, but it was, it was no good because yeah, we yeah. <laughs> there was nothing we could do. <laughs> so uh, it was about like, well, okay, well, how do we, again, this need of urgency, this need of, well, how do we reach people? Um, because we know what the work can do. And this is in response to what's happening in the world. Um, and so the next best thing was, well, let's make a film. And, and so started to have those conversations with, 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 you know, distributors and, um, and then landed at HBO and was like, but also knew that there was an election, a very pivotal election coming up. Mm-hmm. And how do we make sure that this film is in conversation with what's happening in the world, but also that's timing itself amongst this very pivotal election uh, in our country. So I wanted it. And a lot of our conversations, even early on, was, OK, how do we get it out around in the time of the election? So the pressure was really put also, you know, by us, by the producers, by the filmmakers, right? Like I wanted it to be out then. It had to be. Um, and so, yeah, so it was, it, was a, it was a hurry up and go. And I had a brilliant team to make it happen. I mean, filmmaking is such a team sport, as is theater. Um, I had brilliant producers on board, brilliant collaborators and Roger Ross Williams and obviously ta and Susan Kalechi Watson, but also brilliant producer, Lisa Payne and brilliant DPs. And they were just we had an amazing team of folks to get it to the finish line, which mm. was great. Wow. Wow. So I, I don't know if you've had enough time away from it, but I wonder uh, as a director, what do you, what did you take away? What, what was there a lesson and working uh, in this fashion that that you're going to bring into your practice moving forward? Mm. 
Um, you know what? There was a lot. What, what I'll say this. There was a lot of, that I brought in from the theater into the filmmaking practice. Um, and, you know, there was because we were had to move at breakneck speeds. There were also moments in which, um, you know, our m- m- original shooting plan had to be nixed mm. um, or shifted or shaped in the moment. So there was a need to constantly be quick on the feet and improvise um, and shift and shape. Um, And I was asking not only that of, you know, myself, but also the team, you know, of like, how do we, how do we, how do we take those sort of theatrical muscles about like, okay, let's see what we have here. Let's see what the kernel um, and let's build around that kernel. I know we said we were going east, but I think now it's time to go a little southeast. (laughs) maybe south (laughs) Uh, until we find where we need to land. Um, So that was, you know, it was definitely, you know, it was, it was different. It was challenging. Um, What I loved about, I think the film world is, you know, all of the tools that you have at your fingertips, Um, you, you know, and the teams of like from your music supervisor and the way in which a composer works um, and you're able to score to picture, whereas in the theatrical realm, it's all kind of all departments, right, are, are, are kind of working at once, especially in that week of tech, where yeah. in film, like your post-production is all tech week, right? And you're in that for like a good two months. <laughs> and in our cases, it was like more like three months because we were editing while we were moving. So um, there was, you know, there was, um, yeah, I, I, I guess I guess so there was improvisation from theater taken into film. But you know what I would also say from film taken into theater was um, this need to really be responsive. Um, mm. I wouldn't say that film is the most quickest, but the way in which we made this was. Um, and there was a need to want to be and say something very quickly with our art. Um, and to reach as many people as possible with this work. So um, I think that's one thing that I'm definitely building into the practice about like, okay, knowing how long, you know, sometimes it takes because theater, look, I'm a theater producer, so I get it. I'm setting my season for next year. Like, is that totally responsive? Uh, Not really, because who knows where the world is going to be next year. Um, But how do I build into my practice opportunities to respond, opportunities to be in dialogue, opportunities to be in immediate conversation, you know, with audiences. That's what I'm interested in. Oh God. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. And it, 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 your thought there like bleeds into my next question. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we here at the drama league, look at our institution as our artistic home for directors and audiences. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and just as, you know, artists look to the Apollo Theater as an artistic mm-hmm. home for generations, and mm-hmm. uh, and audience as a cultural home for generations. Mm-hmm. I, I wonder what, uh, on the vein of what you're talking about, what what are your thoughts when our doors open again? Um, what do you hope that we all do differently? Or mm. and if you can't speak to all, maybe speak to what you hope to do differently. Yeah. Well, you know what, I will speak to all. Um, I think that this moment of uh, this pandemic has has been a real um, democratizing moment, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it has forced people to reckon with a lot of things. Um, and particularly, I think, in the theater community, it has forced theaters to reckon um, with their own fragility, 
And and when I talk about the pandemic, yes, it's the 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 COVID pandemic, but also, you know, the racial reckoning that we saw earlier this year and continue to see. Um, so what I hope for people to do differently is really recognize the inequities that live within our cultural institutions. And when we say we're serving all, be very specific about who that all is um, and how that all is reflected on your boards, on your staff, but also in your strategies. Um, you know, it's important that, you know, um, it's, it's one thing to have kind of figurehead, but we, we are serving culture, we're creating culture, we're building culture. So it's not just about, you know, to be able to do one black play, it is also about how are we employing black designers, or, or designers of color? How, how, who's on our theater arts administration staff? Who's on our boards? And who ultimately in the audience are we serving? We have to really think about this in a more of a 360 degree model um, versus just sort of piecemeal as we have been. Um, and quite frankly, how this country approaches diversity, equity, inclusion across the board. Um, you know, it's okay, well, let's, uh, we'll, we'll give this, this bone over here. We'll throw this bone over here, you know, this bandaid here, um, yeah. versus like really, truly having a much more, you know, 360 degree, like upending the system. Um, so that's what I hope that, you know, that, that's my hope is that, you know, these, that this isn't a flash in a pan conversation, that this is real, true systemic, a moment of systemic and sustainable change. I, I I personally, I, I I completely agree with you. I hope that it's weird. I've been saying a lot to people that I I am paying attention to those who are being active to the change, and I'm letting those die who are telling me they need to be archaic. Mm. And, I, and I'm I, and I think I'm saying I'm 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 listening to what people when like when they when. When someone says who they are first, listen to them, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, um, mm-hmm. and, and I think you said something so important that we are serving culture mm. um, and, 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 and not the, the, the privilege of our great ideas as artists yeah. and we have yeah. them and they're grand yeah. and I love us for thinking big but sure. we do have a responsibility to the culture on the ground to our yeah. audiences yeah. And I think that's the only way that we're going to get uh, uh, the new lifeblood we need in American theater um, right. because we're watching the entire generation die off and they're not going to yeah. buy tickets anymore. Yeah. <laughs> right? So like got to bring yeah. them in. Yeah. Um, gosh, uh, the, the shift a little bit. So sure. um, I, uh, w- me and Gabriel, the artistic director here at the drama mm-hmm. league, both text each other when this happened, we were like, look at them. Um, uh, I, I, one thing I find inter- interesting about the Apollo as an institution mm-hmm. is that you have an agent. Um, mm-hmm. and in February <laughs> it was announced that the Apollo is now represented by UTA. That's right. It will help expand cultural influence, representation and programming across TV, film, podcast, yeah. publishing. Oh my gosh. <laughs> um, yeah. which I find extremely exciting Um, and it makes me wonder what the future of the Apollo will look like and will and um, and maybe we all should (laughs) be doing this Um, yeah (laughs) yeah, um, what 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 um gosh the question is what what made um, the Apollo move in this step Um, yeah yeah 
Well, I think we recognize the strength of our brand. Um, we recognize that, you know, we have been, look, we've, the Apollo has been around for 87 years um, and has consistently been a home for black culture, black excellence, black mm-hmm. creativity, um, and a symbol for that as well, right, throughout its tenure. Um, and the brand and, and the brand itself still resonates. So for us, it is, yes, we are um, a cultural and performing arts center that lives on 125th Street. But the Apollo exists so much more than just 126th Street, 125th Street, right? Like we exist outside of our building. And this is an opportunity for us to truly expand our footprint um, further in the spaces of media um, as, um, you know, as a convener, quite frankly, you know, um, as a convener of ideas, as a convener of culture, as a convener of other creative forces um, that um, could can create, um, you know, just art in, in many different spaces, you know, and, and that's what that's what we're excited about. This opportunity with with UTA um, is that we've really been exploring a lot of other um, spaces and opportunities that we we know we'd like to leverage, you know, the other side of it is that, you know, we've had a very strong presence on television and media, you know, with our showtime at the Apollo and with several other spinoff series. So this is a further opportunity for us to, you know, continue along that path as well. Um, so yeah, it's thinking, it's thinking really big, um, um, you know, just so that we can continue to grow even bigger. I love, I love that you all are thinking big. Um, (laughs) and I love that it, it, it's, it's really going to bring the Apollo, the future generations yeah. um, who are, who've been hearing whispers about it in their homes forever. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Yeah, that's absolutely right. Yeah. Because, you know, it's so funny because, you know, there's so many people who have heard, um, you know, young people, some who have heard about the Apollo. And if you haven't been able to get up to one, you know, our TV show that I grew up with is no longer on air. You know, that's how I was able to interface with the Apollo. Um, but when I think about even the generations now, there's a lot of kids who've never heard of it mm. um, and or maybe have heard of it, but never have been to the theater. So, you know, because of what we represent, it, it, it's important to us that, you know, it doesn't only exist just in the physical realm, that there is an opportunity, that there is a touch point for generations to come. And I think what you just said is really important and brilliant, um, a touch point for, you know, future generations to come to be able to know about the work, um, but also know that the work lives in a, a spectrum of a legacy. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what's, that's, what's really key, right? That, you know, these artists that we see today, you know, they're, they're not coming from nowhere, <laughs> just all of a sudden the phenom. Um, and of course, you know, you think of musical artists, yes, Beyonce is a phenom, of course, but she lives in the legacies of the Billie Holidays, Ella Fitzgeralds, all of whom live within the legacy of the Apollo, right? So it's important that, you know, we think of ourselves and our work and our culture um, in that context of what came before always. I love it. I love it. It's, it's, it's everything. You're, you're also, I don't, I don't even know if you're doing it on purpose, but I love it if, <laughs> or if it's just ingrained <laughs> in you, but it's, 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 it goes hand in hand again. It's just, it's, it's responsible art making. It's, yeah. um, um, you making sure heritage um, walks alongside innovation, and I, yeah. I, I, I just, mm-hmm. I'm so thankful, so thankful, so mm-hmm. thankful. Mm-hmm. Um, 
big congrats on Soul Train. Um, oh, I'm super you. excited for it to be coming. And and the creative ambition of Don Cornelius and, and the cultural tapestry created by the mm-hmm. legends that have graced the Soul Train stage is a much mm. needed and worthy story of Broadway. Mm. Um, with this pandemic still going on, um, have you and the team been, have you jumped like full two feet into the digital world to plan and produce. I just wonder how a musical works in this world. I know, you know, shoot, we're all trying to figure that out. It's a little difficult, you know? I mean, (laughs) I mean, there's some things that are just not translatable, right? I I, I will say this, right? Like, yeah, we're working towards like, you know, developmental readings on Zoom in some cases can be helpful. But, you know, when it really comes to like, the real collaborative juice of getting musicians and music artists in a room to build and learn. Like some things cannot be replaced. Uh, I just have to say that, you know, so. Absolutely. Yeah. I, you know, and um, so, so we're, we're taking it slow. Um, You know, we have pivot, pivot, pivot this whole time. Um, And, 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 you know, taking it slow in order to build forward. Yeah, Absolutely. so we, we have not, we're not doing dance workshops on Zoom. <laughs> like, <laughs> and some people are trying. I know, but I was like, trying, what is God the bless success them. rate? <laughs> exactly, exactly, exactly. You know, and, and I appreciate, and that's not to knock the folks who are trying, because I, you know, I appreciate, look, we, you know, I, I, I get it. We, we all got to right. figure it out um, and learn, but that there's also some things that, which, you know, I just, you know, not gonna work. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I hear you. I hear you. I hear you. Um, let's let's switch over to to some just some joy of yours. So, so who are artists on your bucket list that you hope to work with one day? Mm, that I hope to work with um, on my bucket list. Oh my god, who are those artists? Okay, um. Uh, there's so many, um, you know, well, it's interesting. So that means I'm really interested in sort of these hybrid art forms. So I'm interested in working with, um, eventually, um, Kamasi Washington. Musician. Okay. I'm so inspired by him and his work. Um, I'm, um, again, these are like Bisa Butler. She's a visual artist. I had a little bit of her work in between the world and me again. So it's, it's interesting because I'm talking, she's, and she works primarily in textiles. Um, <laughs> um, these are a lot of folks who, you know, you, you wouldn't necessarily think like, Oh, a theater artist. Like that's, that's who I would. Um, Bisa Kamasi. Who else am I interested in working with? Um, Oh, a friend of mine wrote this really incredible, she's a writer, Donnie Walton. She's a novelist. Um, um, she has a new book out called Opal and Nev. Very interested in working with her. Um, you know, so these are the people who are like inspiring me right now, who like I read and I get or watch their work or listen to their work. And I just get so like excited by. Yeah. What I'm, I, I must say, I am deeply inspired that you start off with two artists um, 
that allow you to be generative as a as a director as an artist mm, like because yeah. like, you you would have to figure out how their 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 forms of artistry are incorporated in a theatrical context or yeah. or cinematic i just i just found that to be really inspiring and, mm. and a big gift and 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 and, mm. a, and a wink, wink to all the directors mm. who come across the drama league about where you can find inspiration. Oh, mm. I just love that. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's so much fun stuff happening in and around out in the world. Um, I like getting inspired in places that you know that can feed my form, but that are outside of it. Mm. Um, because I think that's where so much creativity lies just all in the world all around us so how do we how do we bring that into the world you know i don't know i think it's just there's so many there's so much to learn from other forms Mm. in our own world so i completely agree yeah um my gosh we're almost out of time i i'm i could talk to you all day Um, (laughs) I'll, i'll wrap this up with um uh, we've been asking uh, all the directors who pop on if you had any advice for your younger self, mm. what would it be? Mm. Any advice for my younger self? Um, hmm. I would, I would, I would say, you know, um, keep going. Um, um, you know, keep going. And, and, and also, um, don't wait. Um, and I don't think I did wait. Um, but I knew I waited on a lot of, or I probably got frustrated by, I I spent a lot of energy getting frustrated by opportunities that weren't there for me, um, or jobs I didn't get. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, you know, you just, you know, you just spend that energy, um, not realizing, you know, what the next year is to come, what's to come the next year and the next year and the next year. And that's life. Um, but I think, it, you know, knowing that this is also a big part of your career <laughs> yeah. is that there will be, you know, a lot of no's. So don't spend the energy on those, um, you know, spend the energy on those yeses, spend the energy on the opportunity, spend the energy on the possibility. Um, that's 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 what I would say to my younger self. Mm, mm. I could do more of. No, such good advice. Such, um, Camilla, thank you so much. Oh my uh, goodness, thank you. Today. This was lovely. <laughs> yeah, you're fantastic. <laughs> uh, I, I'm, I'm. It, you made it easy. You did it all. <laughs> I was going to talk about you. Um, uh, I will. We, we will talk to you soon. Have a great day. Great, fantastic. You too. Hey, thanks for listening to today's episode of Talking Direction. Join us every week by subscribing while you're here. Also, let us know what you think. You can follow us and engage with us directly on all social media platforms with the handle at Drama League. Talking Direction is a project of the Drama League of New York, America's only not-for-profit, lifelong home for stage directors and the audiences who treasure their work on stage, in films, on television, and across the internet. During the pandemic, we're providing essential services to help theater folk and their families who are suffering from economic and health struggles due to COVID-19. If you'd like to join us in this effort, visit dramaleague.org and click donate or become a member. We'd love to have you as part of the Drama League family. Thanks again, and we'll see you soon.